to this episode of the Culture Class Podcast. How have you guys been? Oh my gosh, where did the time go? It is already almost Valentine's Day, if not Valentine's Day already. I'm like, 2022 started, I blinked, and now it's like, you know, we're month two. This is crazy. Crazy, guys. Um, but on today's episode, we have Jean Sullivan. Um, she's lived in San Francisco with her husband, and now she lives in Ireland. She's a life coach. She's going to get all of our lives together. Okay. Um, <laughs> and she also does something really cool, which is a soulmate coach. And I am super excited to talk about this, especially being, you know, today being Valentine's Day or we're in like the love season, you know, um, I'm sure some of us and some of you want to know, how do you attract your soulmate? So Jean, welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be here. I've had such a blast with you already and we just got started. I know, right? So guys, just a little <laughs> background. We always do like a pre-interview, you know, chat. You know, we get to know each other a little bit before we tape. So Jean sounds really cool. And she's already been telling me all about, um, you know, how cool it is to live in such a diverse place in Ireland. But Jean, before you were a life coach and a soulmate coach, what were you doing? So I was um, running a business. I was a PR consultant, which is kind of similar to your background, you know, in, in communications. Yeah. So I worked in promoting the, the tourism industry. So I would represent travel destinations. And so I would put my clients on TV. And, but I was always, um, you know, I always was coaching in a way with clients. I always found myself like coaching them on their business, coaching them on their mindset. I mean, I was there for PR, but I was there for a much bigger purpose. It would turn out. Yeah. And then I, I, I just started to feel like, okay, I've done this for 10 years. I'm ready for something else. Mm -hmm. And I, I was seeing a coach and she talked me into, um, she says, you know, you want to be a life coach, just do it already. Just grab a set and <laughs> go for it you know, yeah. be brave. And so I did. And I started out as a career coach working in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. And I had some extraordinary, some extraordinary people, but I always wound up talking to them about relationships. And when they would hear my love story, which is pretty amazing, everybody yeah, would be it. like, wow, like that gives me so much hope because I was kind of considered a lost cause. Yeah. Before we talk about your lo your love story, which I'm super excited about. Um, so you're, you know, in what sounds like kind of corporate, you know, a little bit of the corporate world, even though communications has a way of like breaking that, like, I don't know, uptightness that the corporate world can have. When you're in communication, you often are doing a little bit more cool stuff, but you're still in, you know, the coffee in <laughs> hand during lunch break, you know, kind of yeah. job. Uh, but you're doing that and, you know, you're talking to a coach and then the coach talks you into being a coach. That sounds like a perfect, like full circle moment to me. It was, I mean, it was something I had to really just step into my sovereignty, really. I mean, I was being called for a long time to do something like that, but I just didn't have the courage. I was in this really cool career. I was a kind of in a gilded cage, you know, um, so I needed somebody to help me and a coach can help you do that. They can help you, you know, leave your comfort zone and yeah. you never know what you're capable of until you take a leap of faith and you really step into it, you know? 
for me, I call it stepping into your sovereignty, you know, being like the most, um, the most brave, authentic, um, actualized version of you. Yeah, absolutely. So you just touched a little bit on it um, in terms of you know what a life coach helps you do. We often hear this, you know, talked about a lot of times, a life coach, I'm seeing a life coach. Outside of like, and at least for me, and I'm sure many, you know, of the listeners, I think, okay, these people are probably like going through like the toughest moments of their life. And they're just in, they don't have any direction whatsoever. And they just need some guidance. Is that like, what does a life coach really do? And, and what kind of like, what's the array of people, you know, that mm-hmm. requires you know, support from a life coach? You know, that's a really good question. Um, there are a wide variety of coaches now. In the beginning, like 20 years ago, it was just yeah. life coach. And then it became career coach. And now there's a coach for everything. Thing. There's a coach Which for- good. I feel like you, yeah, can't, there's like, you can't do a one size fits all in, in the coaching world, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a weight coach. There's a, there's a romance coach. There's a dating coach. There's a marriage coach. There's a divorce coach. (laughs) There's a a money coach. There's a health coach. I mean, for everything. And they're different from a therapist in that a therapist is, is more trained to help you with, you know, clinical trauma and things like that, which is really important to let go of. Um, you kind of need to do that before you are in a space to be coached because coaching is there to help you leave your comfort zone and go past your fear. So you have to be in the space to receive that kind of guidance and to be able to be coachable. You know, right. there's a certain level of uh, stability that you have to already have, or at least the foundation that you have to already have to, okay. I mean, that sounds about right. Um, I've never talked to a life coach before and not like ever, not in, you know, not that I've gone to see one, right. Just as a conversation, like yeah. this is the first time I'm talking to someone who is a life coach. So like, how do you, uh, so when someone comes to you and says, you know, so I'm guessing usually they're looking for guidance in like maybe a career decision or a life decision or change, like, how do you t- like what's an ideal client for a life coach i'm trying to diagnose myself here by the way <laughs> that's okay that's okay so it depends on what kind of life coach you are so i'll tell you later when we're talking about the the rome the dating stuff but mm-hmm. in general um people come to you for a variety of reasons besides the other things we talked about weight and money and all this other stuff um they come at different phases of their life usually when they're navigating a big change mm-hmm. or they're really stuck. They know they're unhappy. They don't know how to get out of it. And it's not something that's like trauma-based where they need to right. see a therapist and talk about it. They need, they're like, there's not I'm just in what you're doing. They're not content. They feel like something is off. They're not excited to go to work every day. Yeah. Um, or they're, um, Maybe they're out of work and they haven't been able to get, get a job. They might need a little help with, you know, boosting their confidence and figuring out a way to put themselves out there in a way that makes them get the attention of the right. Yeah. And then there's, I get, I get um, sometimes inquiries from um, 
students in college who are like, you know what, I want to get like, really, you could tell they're high achievers already because they're like, I want you to help me make sure I get the right first job. And then I'm my, but my best foot forward in interviews. And I'm like, that's badass. Like, I, I, I wish I had had my stuff together at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I remember being in like graduating college. I didn't have a job lined up when I graduated and the next eight months of my life would be, well, they would be something. (laughs) Um, But you're right in saying that when you come out with the certain level of confidence that when you already have, and you're taking that with you to, to help, to have someone guide you, it's a little bit easier, I think. It's a little mm-hmm. bit easier. So, um, so life coach, and then you're a soulmate coach. I, I assume you know under like the romance umbrella. Um, first of all, I'm assuming that your love story has a lot to do with the kind of coaching that you chose to do. And so, let's hear it. I've been, yes. you know, kind of warming up to it this whole time, but let's hear it. You're, you're- <laughs> You're very wise. You're very wise. Yes, that's exactly what happened. So I was coaching a lot of executives in Silicon Valley Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was going really well. You know, I was helping people just kind of get into a more of a growth mindset and do something they really love and get in the right job and get paid for it and whatnot. But it just felt kind of, um, it just wasn't making me excited. Mm. And, you know, I've reached the age where I'm like, you know what, I've paid my dues. I want to be excited when I go to work. And so every time one of those clients would ask me about their relationships or, um, you know, I'm single and I'm really successful in, and confident in my career, you know, I feel like I've hit my goals there, and, yeah. but I can't find someone to share it all with. And in fact, I feel like I'm intimidating because of my success and people can't handle it and I'm too much for them, you know, and and then there are others who are just more like nurturing types who are like, you know, I take care of, I take care of everybody else except for myself. And I feel like I have to prop people up so they can be in my world, (laughs) you know? Um, So that was happening a lot. I was running it and they, they were, there was a lot of pain. They were like, you know, I, I've worked so hard for what I have, but I see all these other people in couples and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. What's wrong with me? And it's like, nothing wrong with you. It's just, um, and then I would share. That can be quite, yeah, that can be quite like wrenching when you have a lot of, and the funny thing is people often have these achievements and everybody else is looking at you like, man, I wish I had a career like this right? I wish I was this successful. But then there's, if you have a piece missing, especially if it's a significant piece, like wanting to share your life that, you know, you have worked so hard to achieve with someone, it can be, uh, it can be a lot. It really is. And they're in a lot of pain and you wouldn't know it. Most their friends would never know. Um, So when they come to you, they're very vulnerable. But what I would do is I would share my love story. And I was I was considered a confirmed spinster. You know, I was in my mid forties. I had just gotten out of a five-year relationship, which was a completely wrong fit for me. I was like, it was not a good fit. And I put up with it for a long time. And a lot of people do that because it, you know, it's better. You you sometimes convince yourself that it's going to get better. (laughs) It's going to get better. Yeah. Um, Instead of just letting it go. Anyway. That's the tough part is letting it go. 
It really is. And no matter what age you are, it's very hard. And especially for women, um, we have this concept of investing our time and we want there to be results for that time. (laughs) um, Like I I didn't set you all up for somebody else. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Yeah. And and then all the things. Right. And we, then we stay in the relationship too long that maybe you shouldn't be, right? So I would tell people my story, which was, okay, I'm in my mid-40s. I had this relationship I was in way too long. He would always say um, he was riding my coattails. You know, I had this big, large life and he'd kind of peek into it, but he, he just wasn't... Yeah. He couldn't well, be really he, be... He wasn't sharing it with you. He was more so just like looking through... The, the pool or something. Yeah, he couldn't stand in his power beside me. And, you know, there were other ways we were not compatible. But but the thing was, is that I settled for that for a long time because deep down, I didn't think I could do better. And I couldn't admit that to myself. Um, you know, so there was that. Then, you know, when women are over 40, even with some men too, but we tend to get, you know told, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. if you're over 40, you have a better chance of being killed by a terrorist than you do of getting married. Not that was in that movie. Yeah. Terrorist. Oh my gosh. That is hard. Well, there was, there was a move. Um, that was an art. Um, I should say I'm, I'm dating myself now, but <laughs> um, that is actually from a real news article. You could look this up from the eighties. There was some uh, oh my God. scary, scary article about how women over 40 had a better chance of being killed by a terrorist than getting married. And oh they used God. it in the movie. Um, do you, did you ever see the movie Sleepless in Seattle? I have a long time ago, but I have. Yeah. If you oh. rewatch it, they talk about that. And um, Rosie O'Donnell says <laughs> that to... Uh, Meg Ryan and Meg Ryan's uh-huh. character goes, that can't be true. And Rosie O'Donnell says, you're right. It's not true, but it feels true. <laughs> and um, yeah, I've never heard um, that quote before, but like, I was like, I mean, I, I got that it was, you know, metaphorical as opposed to real, like, you're not actually, you know, the chances aren't that slim. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a little bit extreme. Come on now. But if you said that to someone these days, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the reason, you know, over the years, you know, I think it's get a little bit better, yeah. a little bit better, a little bit better. But back then, I mean, they, it was really profitable to scare women because then women would buy products, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But I was also at the time I was 300 pounds, mm-hmm. which I'm not now, but I was rather fluffy. And so a lot of people told me your dating pool is even more of a puddle now. And, but the other strike against me, according to society standards was that I had a very big personality and that men would find that, you know, I was looking for a man and women are told all the time, be quiet, you know, talk too much, just, you know, tone it down. We can't feel your presence. It is quite unfortunate, really. Yeah, you can't really be yourself. You can't be angry. Mm-hmm. No. Oh no, you're you're a bitch if you're angry. Mm-hmm. 
or something but worse, right? Crazy. But see, we open this can of worms. This 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 podcast is gonna go like all the way over there. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't. But but that was really what was going on. Right. And right. some of the people coming to me could really relate to that. And that's why I would share the story because I wound up having a very happy ending Yeah, and it made them realize I can have that, you know? So what happened for me is I went on this two year journey of, you know, um, traveling the world, um, appreciating my body and learning to love my body that I had been shamed about my whole life. Um, I started to see dating and relationship coaches going to seminars. And then I saw a life coach and then I trained things. I just really kind of, I said, you know, I want to have a healthier, better relationship. I'm going to have to be that soulmate that I want to attract. Yeah. Which is why I wrote the book. (laughs) The book I wrote is be the soulmate you want to attract. Yeah. Um, so what, so when I did all that, I put myself out there online and I got a lot of response, but what I was getting was a lot of really young guys and the, the divorced women were going like, Hey, Hey, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) That girl, look at you. (laughs) Um, you know, so, but I was like an accidental cougar. I didn't, I didn't want to be a cougar. I, I, I Isn't it accidental cougar. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I, I wanted, a, I wanted a husband and I was like, yeah. I was so yeah. ready for a husband. So, um, I, I started asking the men like, what, what brought you my way? Mm-hmm. And it would always be some variation of, well, you know, you're more experienced, um you know wink wink and then they would say um and and you know what like women our age want to get married and want to have babies and you don't want my baby I'm sure and you sure don't want to marry me and I'm like that's interesting okay no bye (laughs) yeah I mean I I I thank them for their honesty Mm -hmm. because I would rather be told the truth yeah that I asked for than yeah. Right. And I was like, okay. All right. So then, but that was a blessing because I, I go, what am I doing wrong? Let me wear my marketing hat. I'm from mm-hmm. marketing and communications. And I said, my brand is out of alignment. I'm not really flying my freak flag. I'm not being honest about wanting to get married. Yeah. I was too afraid. So I got brave and I put myself out there in a whole new way. Very, very authentic, put it all out there. And literally the next day, my husband was one of the guys that winked at me, like all age appropriate for what I wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar goals and values. And it didn't take long to figure out that, you know, it was going to be wow. big, huge. <laughs> like, how did you, so you get this, you know, wink at you as you put it right the next day and, and you start talking, when was the moment that for you went this, this paid off? Like, this is what I was looking for. Yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an extraordinary, it was such an immediate result. Like, and when I put that new profile out there, I felt like this energetic shift. It was really amazing. And then the next day it was like the universe went, okay, got your order. 
you're, you're clear. Here you go. And so I went out with all of them <laughs> and I went out with all of them and, um, my husband couldn't meet me right away. He, we, so we would talk on the phone mm -hmm. and our conversations were endless. We could talk about anything and I could tell him anything and I felt comfortable and he would, he would receive it in the most beautiful way without any judgment. Yeah. And, um, I think I started to suspect before I even met him that this could be significant mm -hmm. when he says, I can't wait to meet you. He goes, you know, I'm a leg man. <laughs> and my heart, my heart sank. A leg my man. Heart, yeah. And I, I, my heart sank. well, we had already talked for like many, many hours about the deepest spiritual mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was very, it was like a flirty thing, you know, yeah. cause now we're getting ready to meet, you know, yeah. he's flirting. And I, my heart sank because, you know, I'm five, one, I do not have giraffe legs and they're thick. <laughs> no, so you're not you're like, you're thinking, I don't know what kind of leg this man likes. So we need to, <laughs> we need well, to I just assumed the worst. I just assumed it was like what most people say, like, um, you know, a leg man is like a giraffe with leg, you know, just mm -hmm. a, a woman who's like really tall and has really long legs. Yeah. So he goes, I go, oh, well, you know, my legs get me where I'm going, but <laughs> they're not what I would consider my best feature. <laughs> and he said the most beautiful thing. He says, well, tell me about your legs. And I said, well, they're short and they're thick. <laughs> and he said, and it was almost like a challenge. Yeah. You know, and he said, that's really hot. That is, I love Aww. legs like that. He goes, you know, so it was the most healing moment. And it's like part of the whole story about I try to tell men and women that I coach, don't be so obsessed with looking how you think you have to look a certain way because the right people, and I think there are multiple people out there for us. The right people aren't going to be so judgmental about that. Yeah. Oftentimes we are critiquing ourselves more than anybody else is, frankly. Yeah. And, and yeah. Even if 100%. it's not the right person, like oftentimes you're not, the people aren't even thinking about the things that you're thinking about and they're just trying to live their lives with their own insecurities, you know, and, and you're projecting your insecurities to the world thinking that, oh, everybody's looking at this often, you know. Um, and I think that's a really good segue into, um, you know, some of your clients and what you do. So, you know, you have this amazing story and this is kind of your hook into this, you know, this arena, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you see quite often in the clients? You know, um, what are some, I guess, misconceptions or, or things that people are coming to you and you're like, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not the approach. So, a lot of the people, both men and women who come to me are really afraid of being powerful. Mm, that's a good one. And it's there, you know, you've heard that quote, you know, we're most, we're most afraid to be, I think it's Marianne Williamson, you know, we're, we're afraid of being more powerful than we can imagine. Yeah. And I didn't understand that until I started coaching what that really meant. And it means that we're afraid to be alone because when you're powerful, 
you're apart from the pack. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. and um, just that's why fewer failure is the flip side. You're apart from the pack. You know, you're not um, doing as well as the average in the pack. But when somebody has really put a lot of their focus on their career or their business and they haven't really, they've kind of neglected their love life or they just haven't stepped into their power in that area of their life. It, it's usually because they're afraid that no one will be attracted to them because they'll be intimidating. Yeah. Um, they will feel less than in their presence and they don't mean it in an, you know, an arrogant way, but they feel like, especially women, I can, like I, the men I, were, honestly, I sense like this is probably going because this is probably going to be more like something that women uh, resonate with a little bit more because I feel like guys just generally are more assertive, especially if you're successful, you know, it's there's a I don't know if it's a misconception. There's just a, an expectation that a guy who like, you know, is successful, makes a lot of money, commands a room, often won't have a problem, you know, getting a woman. And that's not always true, of course, but I, I can see how, mm -hmm. you know, more women may, you know, need some kind of coaching in this arena too. <clears throat> yeah. They, they sometimes worry they're, they're, um, they're too masculine, you know, because they're successful. But the thing is, it's, they think that men don't want that. And the truth is they do. Statistics show men really do want a strong woman. Mm -hmm. the, the key is though, they want a woman who can be vulnerable with them and who can, who want, who needs them, but you know, not in a needy way, but sometimes when women have been hurt for a long period of time, they come across as defensive and that's when it's intimidating. Right. But men where, where it hurts men is when they start to think that certain people only want them for their success, mm -hmm. that they're not really love for themselves. And a lot of men who come to me, they're like, women don't want nice men. I said, yes, they do. Yeah. And they're like, no, I, you know, and I was like, no, it's all about your approach. And we have to look at your confidence because we really do want you know, nice, you know, so people who are good people, I think generally just always are. Yeah. If you're a good person and if you put yourself out there and if you take the time to, you know, be the soulmate that you want to attract, which is the title of your book, you're going to find a good person. I think that's just, it's almost a, like you say, a law, a law of attraction. You attract what you mm -hmm. put out into the world. And I actually want to use that to talk about, um, the two years that you took to kind of invest in yourself a little bit. I, I imagine that that's a lot. That's oftentimes um, at least a foundational part of, of the coaching for your clients is like, what have you done for yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, like what I realized about myself and I see it in a lot of my clients, even though I did, I was proud of my career and all my accomplishments. I, I really, when I thought about it, in every relationship I had had, I always picked men who couldn't give me what I wanted, mm -hmm. who couldn't. Um, and I always put the focus on pleasing them and lifting them up. It, and it, it's embarrassing. And it was embarrassing then too. Like 
that I couldn't be in my power in this way. I couldn't really own my needs and stuff. So that was part of the reason why I took the two years off is to figure out what does Jean want? What does Jean need? Yeah. So that I, I didn't have to, I, I needed to be single for a while and to understand who I was. What did I learn from that relationship right. about myself? And um, a lot of people have to go through that. There are a lot of, um, I have men who even suffer from that, that they tend to put the focus on the other person and making sure they're happy and pleased and nurtured and taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then they neglect themselves. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. It does. Um, so you wrote the book, you know, out of your experience and, and, you know, out of, of, wanting to help other people come to this place and at least believe that they can have that happy ending. So what are mm -hmm. some, you know, tips or like your top two things in the book that you're like, do this. Absolutely. If you're in this place and you're looking for this change, there are, uh, I'll, there are three things that come to my mind. If it's okay, okay to do three. three, look at that. We get three people. <laughs> the power of threes. Yes. Well, the one, one thing I think is really important is to take a look at forgiveness. Mm, that's a good one. And I'm not, and it, you know, forgiving other people is one thing, but most people haven't really forgiven themselves for settling for less or, um, you know, I have clients to me all the time. They're like, oh, you don't know the things that I've done, you know, they had the carrying all this shame. And I was like, let go. You don't need that. You're fabulous. You don't need to. So there's that. Um, another thing is I encourage people to channel an inner alter ego. And what I mean by that is usually when we neglect ourselves in some way, like maybe we're focusing all on our career and we're not really you know, focusing on ourselves. There's usually a part of us that's kind of hidden. That's not coming out to play. And I like to explore that, like, because I think that's the most delicious magnetic part of you, mm. whatever it is that isn't coming out to play. So for me, when I was attracting all these guys that I really couldn't be happy with, I was really not being myself. I was playing a role and I was like, who am I? And then I would go out as part of those two years. I, I, a friend of mine owned a nightclub. And I said, you know what I really love to do? I love to dress up almost like a drag queen. I, I, I had like these big flowy outfits and um, I loved, you know, flirting, but in a very over the top way. I loved, I felt like I was unleashed, but some clients have some variation of that, of like a superhero or an archetype in them. Yeah. that they're holding back on. And when they identify it and just, or maybe it's even a quality, like some people will say, I'm not fun anymore. I just, I used to be so much fun or I used to be flirty. Yeah. So we bring that out so that it makes you more attractive to let that out. And then the last tip is um, to write a profile that's really authentic about your agenda like, are you looking for marriage? Are you looking for friends with benefits? What are you looking for? Yeah. Be really honest about it and upfront and find a way to write about yourself without using adjectives. You'll like that as a communications person. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like an assignment for me now. No yeah. Idea. Like, okay. So what I mean is like, so let's say, you know, you pick five adjectives that are really important 
to describe you and who mm-hmm. you are, give a snapshot, right? Let's say one of those adjectives was funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you say funny to somebody, what does that mean? It's a different, right? It's different for everyone, right? So you want to paint a picture instead of using saying, the adjective. I'm funny, you have to say something like, remember when Trump was in the White House? Well, that was a duty. <laughs> I'm the, yeah. And it, it's like in journalism, right? You study journalism, it's Mm -hmm. show, don't tell. So I would paint a picture. So instead of saying I'm funny, you could say whatever's authentic to you. Like my friends call me the female Jim Carrey. Exactly. No, you know, that kind of a thing. Those are good ones. Those are really good ones. I think, and, and those are things that are attainable. I think oftentimes when you're in the thick of it, it almost feels like there's, all of these things just feel like these big steps, giant steps that you have to take. And oftentimes it's like, no, if you just sit down, take a couple of minutes, think about it. These are all attainable things. I think the most, the toughest one of the three would probably be the first one, you know, forgiving yourself. I think that comes with like, you know, just learning how to do that in the first place, learning how to shed some of that baggage. And th- that can be the toughest one. But the other ones, I think, you know, clients probably hear this and they go, oh, this is, you know, this, I can reach this. What's inside of you. Do you have like an archetype or a superhero or a quality that you want to bring out more? Um, that's a really good question. I never thought about it until you said, um, I mean, I'm like, well, I'm really talkative. Like I talk, I could talk forever. And, and most people who know me know that, but in terms of like there being, so I think I'm already kind of living that a little bit because it's hard for me not to. So maybe mm-hmm. sometimes it's the opposite. Maybe for me, it's like, I can be, you know, pensive and thoughtful and, and quiet, you know, and that's okay for me to be like that too. Um, like sometimes my husband, every time I'm, I, I talk a lot. And so my husband is like, oh my God. Uh, but then when I get quiet, he gets worried. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I'm fine. I just want to read this book, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's it. I, I think awesome. that was cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, between uh, be the soulmate that you want to attract. Yes, I got that right. And, yes. um, you know, all of the clients that you have, what is the most fulfilling for you and what you do? All of your communications work, life coaching, romance coaching. What is the most fulfilling, maybe the most fulfilling thing or feedback you've had or what's the most fulfilling part of what you do on a day to day? My, when a client calls me and says, I've met a soulmate and I'm going to get married or I'm engaged. And, and then I also get as excited when I just had a client graduate like a few months ago and he, he found his partner, um, about three months into after he graduated and, he said, I never could have imagined being in this kind of, of supportive, loving relationship. He goes, I just wasn't able to, to do it, you know? And so it made me feel, cause he's like, and you help, you help me do this. You know, it just yeah. makes me feel like this is what I was put on earth for. Wow. That's incredible. Find- do, you get, do you get, uh, invites to the wedding? Like, you know, have you had a wedding? <laughs> I do. Nice. I do. I do. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. And I think over time, there'll be more of those. Um, Amen to that. No. I yeah. 
that's really cool um all right well so tell us a little bit about you know where we can find your website just a little bit of how people can find you those who are listening my website is mysoulmatecoach.com and i'm on instagram and facebook at the same handle at mysoulmatecoach so you can find me on there um on my website I have information about two things that might be of interest to your listeners. One is a free quiz called Discover Your Biggest Love Block. Ooh. Figure okay. out what's in the way. <laughs> and then the other thing is I have some free events coming up where I'll give some tips and tricks like we talked about today, but a little bit deeper. Yeah. One is on uh, the day after Valentine's Day. Okay. Since so many single people on Valentine's day get triggered. I, I did it on singles appreciation day, which is the 15th. And I think that's really gonna... important too, because you just talked about, you know, taking two years being single to figure out a, and, and maybe lay some foundation of who you were going to become and find that love of your life. So if you're single, it's not all lost, right? You're, you're that's taking right. time to, you know, um, lay some really important foundation for the love of your life, the, your soulmate. Exactly. And so we're going to do a free event. You can, there's a, on my events page, you'll, you can register there. It's absolutely free. And then I'll be having um, some other ones in March too. And then I'll be doing a group program, like a, a course, like a, 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 an immersion program too. So there's lots of goodies coming up. I'm excited for you. It sounds, it sounds really cool. Um, do you envision any uh, kind of couples uh, coaching or anything? I do. Okay. I do. Um, and I, I do help people with their current relationships, you know, so the next book I want to write um, is, okay, you've got your soulmate now what? Yeah. <laughs> because I think a lot of people are with a soulmate and, but can sometimes get close to divorce because they don't understand that a soulmate doesn't mean it's going to be hundred percent harmonious all the time. Sometimes you're meant to cause contrast in each other's life. So you both grow if you're both willing to work on it, yeah. but sometimes people give up because yeah. they think that a soulmate relationship is hundred percent harmonious. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's not true with anything in life. It's like, even your relationship with your parents, you can have the best relationship with your family. It's still going to be bumpy sometimes. So there's nothing that's perfect. Yeah. That's really important to re remember. And I wanted to do workshops too for couples. I definitely want to do that. It's just, I'm, I'm right now, I'm just feel called to do this, but I'm definitely going to get there too. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think, you know, you. Uh, people who are, if you're looking for your soulmate, if you feel like you're in that place in your life, where you're just not sure how to find your person, Jean can help you find your person. So definitely check her out. Um, follow her on the social media. We're going to leave all the information in the show notes. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Jean. Oh, so much. I'm so happy that we connected. Yeah, really, really happy. Thank I you. Think, I feel like we we talked a little bit about, you know, kind of the law of attraction and when we were talking about, you know, you taking some time to go find yourself and, and putting out in the world what you want to attract. So, cause I was looking at my notes and I was like, did I miss something? No, I didn't miss something. <laughs> no, you're good. I That's can good. tell you were in communications. You're very good. In <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, well, that's it for this episode, folks. I will see you guys in the very next one. Happy Valentine's day, everybody stay in love. If you don't have a love, love yourself for your 
love yourself enough for you and your partner to be okay that's really really important <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks gene gene is over here we're doing a zoom and gene is like snapping her fingers like yes girl <laughs> <laughs> All right, a big fan of my classmates <laughs>